The Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by the Tea Clinic. Good morning. This is the Tea Health Show. I'm Dr. Mark, and we are continuing our discussion um, from last week about. Uh, gut-related issues and the gut, and I've invited uh, Divya Naidu, clinical pharmacist, as well as the man- managing director of uh, the Compounding Pharmacy of South Africa, um, to join me in the studio. Morning, Divs. Morning, Mark. Morning, Elise. And Morning. as always, I have Sister Elise, um, and Elise is going to lead most of today's discussion. With us and our producer today is Ryan. Morning, Ryan. Good morning. Thanks for waking me up at six in the morning. <laughs> I was um, talk about poo. How was it this morning? Did you enjoy it? So you know what? Uh, yes. Um, and as I walked into the studio, I said to the girls, "You know what? It's fascinating how people think of gut issues in relation to just." You know, with defecation and vepu, which is actually not bad if yes. you if you understand. But you know, but the gut is responsible for so much more. And that's I must, my I question. I, I must tell you though, before you start, Elise, is having a fascination with poo is not a bad thing. No, because absolutely, because then you're it's fully brilliant. understanding what's going on. Yes. If you look. Down into the loop. Just, just for uh, context, Dr. Mark um, appeared on the Gareth Love Show this morning. You can go take a listen to it just to inform us more on gut health. But we did have a pretty wide open Q&A session mm. about defecation. So um, I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of questions. Uh, lots of questions. Some of them, you know, but I think a, a little bit stupid. Like, for <laughs> instance, why don't I weigh less when I have a poo? Um, you know what? It, it, that really isn't important. And if you really want to go and do that, go and wear your poo and then wear yourself. <laughs> um, but in any case, so, um, Sister Lise. Okay. Uh, you started off with saying, um, fascination with poo. If poo is not the predictor or the, um, yeah, a predictor of gut health. What is the function then of the gut? Um, you know what? I think a lot of people, um, focus on or, or think the gut is there for you to eat food, digest it and to excrete. Yes. So it's so much more than just digestion. It's where we absorb nutrients. It's where we detox, we break down um, toxic or toxins that we consume. We break down medications into a form so that we can excrete them safely. And you know what? And this is the one that people don't know is your gut is the biggest part of your immune system, 70% of all your immune cells sits in the gut and um, the rest, all of those cells matured in the gut. If you look at your white blood cells, before they get into the bloodstream, they mature for a while in the gut so that they can be exposed to what is good, what is bad. Do I react? Do I not react? It's like sending a trigger-happy rookie 
into a, a battlefield situation, if he's not trained um, as to see mm, this is not the situation that I should be triggering and firing at will, you know what, I should wait and see. Um, yeah, it's the same situation. So your immune system forms in your gut. Um, it's the first contact to foreign pathogens. Think about it. We ingest food. That's where most of our pathogens are coming from. So your immune system in the gut is incredibly okay, important. And we spoke about gut-brain connection previously. Can you please explain that? I'm actually going to let Divya start on this one because I, I will fill in a couple of stuff. But Divya, um, mm. you wrote a beautiful newsletter. So for you guys um, who don't know the compounding pharmacy of South Africa, um, that's CPSA. You can follow them on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. Go and look at this newsletter. Of Divya, because when I saw it, I immediately called her and said to her, Oh my God, this is what we're talking about on Thursday. And I asked Divya to come on the show more than a month ago. Div's gut brain connection. So a loose term, Elise, is often the gut is regarded as the second brain. And the reason for this is our gut contains our own microbiome. So microbiome is your good and bad bacteria in its own environment. And in order for the gut to function and do all those processes that Mark just mentioned now, there has to be the correct balance of bacteria in the gut, of good bacteria. But life doesn't always happen like a, in a perfect world, so to speak. We have bad bacteria, often introduced by stresses, toxins, environmental toxins we're exposed to, like smoke and exhaust fumes. Alcohol. Alcohol, huge thing, uh, drugs, um, drugs as in medications that we take, mm-hmm. um, l- cosmetics that we put on our face that contain stuff that's not exactly healthy for us. So all this, all these toxins get introduced into the, into the gut and that bacterial balance that Mark so nicely described gets disturbed. Um, and what happens is, uh, we, it creates uh, let me take a step back. There is a junction or, or a lining of your gut called villi, and they are very tight little junctions. If you if you consider they are they stacked very closely together in your gut. When your microbiome or the balance of your bacteria gets disturbed, these tight junctions start, or your body produces something called zonulin. It's just a protein in your body, and when this produces too much of zonulin, these tight junctions start moving apart. So basically, you know what, you can think of a barrel, uh, a wooden barrel mm-hmm. that tightly fitted together. together yeah. and Or um, Lego, say Lego stacked closely together. I think that it nice creates uh, um, a leak proof environment. Yes, exactly that. So with the, with zonulin and the Im, imbalance of the, the good bacteria, the microbiome, you get these leaks, uh, these, these little g- gaps being created and all the food leaks into these gaps. So when it leaks into the gaps, it goes into your bloodstream that supplies your intestines and that immediately or, or into the bloodstream, which is immediately transported to your brain. So 
this can create its own issues in the brain, like brain fog, tiredness, um, depression, all kinds of inflammation. Just, oh, inflammation is number one. Thank you for reminding me that I should have started with that inflammation. And we all know what inflammation does in your body. It just creates a myriad of adverse effects. So there is this very, very close interaction between the gut and the brain because everything you consume, if it's bad, if it's good, has good effects on your brain. Bad has bad effects on your brain. And don't forget, it also directly relates to things like mood because believe it or not, there are serotonin receptors, more serotonin receptors yes. in your gut yes. than in your brain. Oh, 90% of serotonin is formed in the gut, 90%. So, and we know that serotonin is the feel-good hormone, right? So if you're having a bad balance of bacteria, your hormone, your serotonin balance is being affected, it's definitely going to affect your mood and consequently your sleep. Okay. You know what, Elise, what, what we tend to forget – is that we basically have two separate nervous systems. The one is your central nervous system and your peripheral nervous system. So these are the nerves. But you have another one, which is your enteric nervous system. So the enteric nervous system is the nervous system of the brain. Remember, your gut is connected directly to every single organ. And the enteric nervous system has one major uh, nerve. It's called the vagus nerve. Now, that nerve is as thick as your pinky, and it's directly connected to the brain. So there's a direct link between the brain and your enteric Nervous system. So whatever happens in the gut affects the brain. That's, that's without even thinking about toxins and drugs, etc., etc. The two are connected to one another directly. The physical connection, yeah. yes. So, um, therefore. Is this the, by chemical processes then that goes wrong? When the brain get influenced, because I can understand enteric means gut, um, and the the direct connection is with the vagus nerve. Yes, but how does it does it take toxins to the brain, um, and then the brain needs actually glucose, not toxins, to get to have energy. Well, Explain that to me if, better. If we think about is it, it hormone related? Is yes, it? it it is. So I actually want to go back to what Divya said uh, a little bit earlier. The stuff that happens in the gut, the microbiome, and I, I just want to give a little bit of context. Microbiome, microorganisms, divs, and these different types from bacteria to fungi to uh, viruses to uh, commensal parasites, stuff that you do need, etc., etc., et fungi. And they, um, if we look at the weight of all these organisms, some Piwe will know the answer because I always ask her, is two kilograms. So if you take two Kilograms of microorganisms, it weighs the same as your brain. The genetic makeup is 
incredibly diverse, but functions like an organ. We need them. They produce acids and fats and gases and stuff that without which we cannot survive. If we take your gut and we sterilize it, you will die. It's, it's as simple as that. Now, that genetic makeup, it's called the micro. By, uh, the that's the genetic makeup, the microbiome. I always get uh, confused Microbes with that. So if that genetic makeup is disturbed, it changes brain function directly. So the connection is Irrefutable. Just think about it. When you feel uneasy in your gut, it tells the brain something is wrong. The gut feel. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know what? Actually listen to your gut because it's telling you about what's happening in the rest of the body. Okay. Um, I would like to go back to um, the basics then. Where does the gut start? Well, if we look at the anatomy, people need to understand that your gut actually starts in your mouth. Okay. Um, and it goes through the mouth, the uh, esophagus, which is what you swallow with, and then it goes into the stomach, and then the stomach opens into your small intestine or the duodenum, and then there's something called the yeyenum. And then it goes into your colon and then the colon has different parts and eventually the colon goes over into your rectum and you know, but then you have your anus and that is your whole gut. Now that is just the tube. Yes. Um, but we have organs, uh, attached to this. For instance, Organs that open in the gut would be your gallbladder, liver. Uh, your liver, your pancreas has a role to play there. Your kidneys have a direct connection to to the gut. So, you know what? Um, digestion starts with chewing and saliva. So, good dental health and oral health is important for good digestion because uh, when we were small they told us you have to chew your food 20 times before you swallow it there's a reason i'd like for to pause that. there and just add to that before you you go on coupled with oral health is having good teeth because Chewing and mastication happens with your teeth. For instance, if you are someone who's extracted all your molars and premolars, mm. you have a bottom and a top tooth missing, you're not going to be able to bring your gums, your mouth together to chew. So the food is not going to be masticated or chewed properly. So already you're starting off that process of, of digestion or the, the, the journey through the gut in a negative way. Oh, that's very interesting, wow. eh? I don't know that. No. no, you know, it, and people tend to forget that. And what's um, the role of saliva then with us? Saliva contains a lot of enzymes. enzymes. Saliva also contains a lot of stuff that kills bacteria. Mm. So, you know, it, you start killing harmful stuff in your mouth already. Um, it, it starts digesting of uh, macronutrients already. 
um, before it even gets to um, the stomach. Um, in the stomach, you have lots of acids and those acids starts to dissolve stuff. Um, and, you know, it also produces some mucus and that allows it for a smooth passage so in into stomach, your it's in, small bowel. Sorry to interrupt. In the stomach, it's important to note that when it gets there, it needs digestive juices, let's call it that, to to digest the food. So you have your hydrochloric acid being being produced mostly in the stomach. And most people also, because of all the toxins I mentioned before, don't produce enough. I mean, there's an easy way to test that. We test it with a thing called alkaline phosphatase. Doctors mm. like Dr. Mark will know that. And it indicates how much of acid we have in our stomach. And if you are under acidic, you're not going to break down proteins very well or food in, in general. So another issue is to make sure your your stomach is producing the right Enough acid. Uh, around, uh, right acid. Yeah. You know what, Divya, I like what you said that because last week we spoke about the different types of uh, gastrointestinal conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we spoke about your inflammatory conditions, which is your Crohn's and your ulcerative colitis. We spoke about um, irritable conditions, which is uh, your spastic colon types. And then I also put to that structural problems with your gut. And here we're thinking of reflux because of your hiatus hernias um, and the di- diverticulosis, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the most common conditions that people suffer with is GERD or gastro. Uh, esophageal reflux disease, which is, you know, with heartburn and reflux, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you've just said that it's incredibly important for us to have enough acid to digest, but so many people are on anti-acids, everything from Eno to Gaviscon to alkalizing powder and then your prescription medications, your protein pump inhibitors, um, which decreases the amount of acid that's in the stomach, slowing digestion or making digestion less effective. So, you know, it, um, I, I almost want to say that reflux and heartburn is a sign of an underlying condition. And, Very you know, but you need to understand what you are going to do by treating it yeah, I think um, I, with medications. Uh, what you basically create when you eat Tums or Enos you're creating just, chalk. Yes, but it's even making the situation worse. I think a rudimentary way, and I just for a person out there, it's not a medically diagnostic um, intelligent way of determining uh, acidity in your stomach but a very rudimentary thing is to determine how you feel with or without food so for instance if you are if you feel worse after you've eaten food and it's all sitting there and you're bloating you most likely under acidic if you feel better after you've eaten food you most likely okay, normal That's or interesting or hyperacidic yeah. because you have enough acid so if you don't have enough acid besides the the quality of the food you're eating like it might be something like gluten or something that's making you bloated 
it can be a sign of under acidity. I, I, I remember when I was still at varsity and uh, we were looking at the difference between a peptic and a duodenal ulcer. Uh, a peptic ulcer is an ulcer that sits in the stomach and a duodenal ulcer is one that sits um, outside of the stomach in the small bowel. And one of the easiest way to tell the differences is that with a peptic ulcer, if it's in the stomach, that pain that you have gets better when you eat mm. because it starts mm. neutralizing the acid. Um, but if it gets worse after you eat, you know what, it's usually that acidic stomach content that now passes through into the uh, duodenum and then it starts irritating that ulcer there. So, you know, it, um, it's, it's, it's very, um, good to understand the differences between the two because the, um, treatment is slightly different. Okay. So it's safe to say in the mouth, you've got your saliva glands that helps. That's the contributing organs that helps with digestion. Mm. In the esophagus, is there anything important gland, um, organ-wise? Nothing. Okay. No, not really. No. It's basically um, a, a muscular tube that just moves yep. food into a stomach. Then, sorry, Ryan. No, no. Sorry, I just had a question about about the saliva part. Is there such a thing as good and bad saliva? Is there a way where it gets affected? Ask anyone that uh, battles with a dry mouth. Okay. Oh, so um, it's just and they would there say to you, you know, the they also have content. bad um, dental problems. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have enough saliva, you know, it, it's it's responsible for keeping the mouth sterile and clean. Um, it's interesting, you know, what we always say, in Elisa, you've been in medicine as long as a little bit even longer than I have. What is the worst worst bite that you have to treat? Bite. Bite. Um, well, human bite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. A human bite <laughs> is far more infective and dangerous than a dog bite. Oh, really? Yeah. Due to the so, to, to saliva. Yeah, our mouths are dirty things. So right. you, you need that saliva. And again, ask someone that battles with a drier mouth. Okay. Um, certain things causes a hypersalivation and it's usually medications. Um, and you know what? That's not a good thing, uh, either. So yeah, your, your health of your mouth and the mucous membranes in your, in your mouth, incredibly important. And we can tell a lot about someone's nutritional status by just looking inside the mouth. Yeah. And, oh. and similarly, Hypersecretion that can be hyposecretion, also medication related. So people mouth are dry, like you get dry eye. Right. I'm scared we're running out of time. There's so much that I want to know. In Mm. the stomach, there's no supporting organs except with the acid um, that's being produced in the stomach. Mm. Am I right? Then we get to the small bowel. Mm. In the small bowel, which organs feed into the small bowel? Bile. 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 Okay. And bile is important for? Bile for your gallbladder. Um, because it's, it's responsible for breaking down, uh, fats mm-hmm. and definitely for eliminating, uh, the metabolites of hormones, for instance, estrogen, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, your gallbladder 
plays an incredible role in overall health, specifically uh, when it comes to things like cholesterol and fat metabolism. But I'm going to uh, defer to Divya uh, around this one. Divya, you guys have a beautiful product, which mm. we recently started using mm-hmm. Uh, in our practice called um, Pro Detox. Um, and you taught me and Elise a couple of stuff yeah. about the importance of your gallbladder and bile. Mm. <laughs> Very important because it also, besides the functions that Mark mentioned, it also helps your body break down toxins and bad metabolites and removes it from your system. So, those people who have had their gallbladder removed, you can imagine what this creates now. There's no fat to emulsify or there's nothing, there's no bile to emulsify fats. So people will either show up with symptoms like diarrhea most often mm. or constipation. So removing your gallbladder is not often the best thing to do. Divya, sorry, can I interject? Mm-hmm. Um why do people have their gallbladders removed because so often? Of because of gallstones. But yeah. explain to us how you form gallstones. Um, For again, me, that was an eye-opener. It's all related to bile production. So yeah. insufficient bile production will create gallstones. Also, inadequate breakdown of all the toxins and the hormone metabolites that's created leads to creating both gallstones. Cholesterol, elevated cholesterol oh, also plays a role the biggest, in the formation the biggest, of gallstones. You're right. Um, we, you know what, a gallstone is something that forms because it can't be excreted. Mm-hmm. So if you have thick gall because of all your cholesterol, etc., etc., you are prone to forming gallstones. And these gallstones cause inflammation and it can cause an infection. And then we have to go and remove your gallbladder. But you know what? <coughs> I mean, I know we focused on anatomy and focused on functions, but the those tight junctions that I spoke about when zonulin is created is the easiest thing or it's it's not easy, but it's the it's treatable, it's preventable, and it's repairable. That's the great thing. For instance, we spoke about um, lack of acid. You can take something called betaine hydrochloride. It's readily available uh, in the pharmacy shop. It's a supplement. And the way in which we take that is we take two capsules uh, at the beginning of a meal, and then you increase it. you increase it by one at every meal until you get to the meal where you, you, it starts burning. Your tummy, your tummy starts burning. Then you pull back one. So, for instance, one for lunch, two for supper, three the next day, and so on. And it might end up at ten. It's okay. So you continue at that dose until your body starts, your tummy starts burning, and you start cutting down again. Which means your stomach acid is correcting itself. Okay, and then at the stage you can stop taking you that can, until you when you feel, okay, nothing is burning anymore. Yes, but <laughs> understand that all of that comes with lifestyle changes. Yes, you know, yes, cutting I down understand. stress. You can't continue to eat uh, a McDonald's meal <laughs> and expect your, your, to be sorted out with Or continue smoking. Yes, or. Um, which helps or elevates the secretion of um, hydrochloric acid. But let's, let's talk about something we don't <coughs> cognitively or we're not cognitively, it, it's not in the center of our vision, so to speak, stress. I mm-hmm. mean, it's subliminal there for everybody, some form of stress. 
It's like, like, you know, your body needs good stress, which is called eustress, but it's when it becomes out of control that can it also affect your or chronic. Your body. Yes. Mm-hmm. If chronic. good stress becomes chronic, chronic stress, it can affect your body. Okay. I wanted to ask it's something bad. else is how does, where does the liver play a role in digestion? And I'm asking this specifically because we had a patient recently that presented with uh, hepatitis or liver inflammation, liver infection. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that you noticed, Dr. Mark, was the bad breath that he had. Yeah. Um, you know, but with that, um, the liver is responsible for um, taking uh, toxins um, and turning them into either water or fat-soluble Mm-hmm. Substances which you can now excrete either via your stool or even through the kidneys and uh, the skin. So when digestion is not happening properly, we get that halitosis, which is bad breath. Um, or, you know, it, it's think about it as farting through your mouth. Mm. Um, well, that bad. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, 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 uh, it's not a nice smell, especially for other people. Sure. Because it's, it's got a sour keto. Mm. Think about people who are in, uh, on a keto diet mm. and actually manage a keto diet. You can smell their breath. So <clears throat> gases, et cetera, et cetera, that are formed can, uh, in your small intestine, can uh, work their way back up. Uh, these people are often people that complain about heartburn and burping, um, but they also complain about gassiness and flatulence, etc., etc. And this is because of the microbiome that's being disturbed so that your organs no longer can do the function okay. uh, normally. So, um, Elise, you were, you were with the anatomy part still. So, small bell, what we need to understand is your small bell is very long. And, you know, this is where we start absorbing nutrients. Okay. Small, this is where we absorb proteins and fats and, um, sugars and things like that. And when it comes to the large intestine, it's more where we start absorbing water. Most of your absorption of your nutrients happens before we get to the colon. But most of your organisms, that microbiome, the majority of them is situated throughout your colon. Now, these one of the conditions that we are faced with in the office and which Divya and them uh, have put a lot of research into, and that's a condition called SIBO. Yes, I want we, to ask we about that. We have overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine, bacteria that shouldn't be there. The small intestine is not completely sterile. Um, there are things that live there, but, you know, it, it's like going to Alaska. You don't find a lot of people living there, whereas your colon, it's like being in Tokyo. There's everything and everyone, and it's busy and frenetic and overcrowded. 
So um, SIBO is one of the conditions that a lot of people are battling with. And the signs of that is abdominal bloating and pain and diarrhea, constipation, anemia, iron deficiency, weight gain, depression, anxiety. So, you know, again, it comes back to that connection uh, to the brain, to your immune system, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, now this is now very informative. So where do we start? Where do we start if you feel that you have a condition of your gut, and I'm talking from your mouth right down to elimination, where do we start? The 4R program? Yeah, but before we get there, before we get to the 4R, Let's just quickly recap the function of your gut in its entirety. It's one, the system that's responsible for digestion. And with digestion, it includes mastication, swallowing, um, breaking down, absorption of nutrients, and then excretion. Of toxins and waste. Well, just excretion. So just think, you, you, you put something in your mouth, you chew, you swallow, it gets absorbed and it gets excreted. So that's the, I think, the most rudimentary idea of what your gut does. Yeah. But with that process, there's other stuff involved. So this is the absorption of nutrients. This is the metabolizing of toxins and Excretion of toxins. Now, Divya has referred to those those junctions. Um, I don't know how many people have heard the term of leaky gut. Have you heard of leaky gut? It rings a bell. I I, I can't connect, okay. it, but it does or ring a bell. Or where your gut um, integrity is compromised, and you know what, this leads to toxins that shouldn't be outside of the gut, outside of this tube starts getting into the tissue or the bloodstream and it causes inflammation. Now, remember, all your immune cells or the majority of your immune cells sits in the gut. So it's got a a, a primary function of teaching your immune system what's good and what's bad. Secondly, it's got a protective factor, one, where... Uh, foreign substances that do get in now need to be addressed. And then the, the big one, and I think this is one that we tend to forget, is if that is not working properly, your army is put onto alert. So we start getting inflammation. And with inflammation, if it doesn't go away, we start developing autoimmune diseases. So we... You put it extremely well, but just in to summarize it for you, like the brain, the effects on the brain, if that gut, brain and immune that he, the, the triad, so to speak, that yeah. Mark has been talking about now, if that balance is off, you're going to get things like brain effects will be, if you want to not go to a doctor and try to ascertain yourself, do I have this and ascertain whether I need to go and see medical help, you look. My brain's foggy, I'm depressed, um, interrupted sleep. Those are kind of if, uh, effects. That, and, and in the extreme case, it's about like developing addictions. And I don't mean just drugs. I mean to chocolate, to sugar, you know, any addictions. Mm, mm. Then in your gut, 
you might start experiencing persistent bacteria, um, uh, diarrhea, uh, bloating. Uh, bloating, gas, stomach pain. And then from your immune, the immune connection is something like food intolerances. You'll suddenly get muscle aches and pains that you, you can't really explain. Um, and recurrent infections. So we always say at CPSA, we, we, we advocate prepare your gut health before winter starts so that your Im- immune system can cope with winter mm. and you're less likely to, if you get an infection, flu, cold, it won't be as serious because your gut integrity is strong. Yeah. Um, I, I want to add one thing there. If fatigue, weight loss, Mm. Or weight gain um, is is also important Absolutely. because of uh, absorption of nutrients, specifically things like iron. Um, you know what? If your gut is not absorbing iron, there's a direct link to obesity. Uh, we see very often that obese people have iron deficiencies. Um, and they can also develop anemias because that gut um, is compromised, and often, you know, it, there's a slight oozing of blood out of a out of a gut, um, polyps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, what um, your your gut health um, is incredibly important. Specifically, I would say um, when there's going to be a demand on the rest of your immune system. You know, and also um, a very important thing that I think we should notice, maybe not completely related to your last statement, but very, very uh, common problem is gluten intolerance. And we know that people don't know we're intolerant to gluten, and I don't mean allergic, I mean intolerant, where as soon as you eat it, you notice immediately that bloating. Mm. And you know, but is the, that with everybody? No, uh, okay. not everybody. Right. Not everybody. It's but the, give me. Can I? Can I ask? Is this something that you can develop? Um, because yes. I, I never had a gluten intolerance. Yeah. And you know what? I, I don't know what happened first: the gluten intolerance, or the diverticulosis, or the. Uh, the diverticulosis that caused the gluten intolerance, but you know what? It's it's not something that's pleasant. I so can we, tell you we that. So we talked about those junctions, but you know the lining of your gut is made up of microglial cells, right, or your villi. When those get uh, destroyed by all the factors we described, the the imbalance of bacteria, stressors, the drugs, uh, the medicines, let me call it medications, um, uh, exhaust fumes, all external pollutants. They do affect all of that, and and unfortunately, it does affect those glial cells, and they get destroyed, and it does affect your ability to process gluten. But there's help. There is an enzyme. So let's get to the help. Where do we start? (laughs) Okay, if we're going to start the whole gut program or the help for the gluten? (laughs) No, the gut program. I think it's important. So I did speak about the 4R program. It's a really really great program and any functional medicine doctor or doctor trained like Dr. Mark is equipped to to handle or treat this. There are four things. We call it the four R's because it's called remove, replace, repopulate and repair. So remove means repair, uh, remove all the harmful bacteria, parasites and inflammatory foods. And the inflammatory foods I'd like to add are things like alcohol, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. 
gluten breads, breads that are contain well, all breads contain gluten. No, anything that contains wheat. Yes, basically. Or, but not only that. Not only foods. You have hidden gluten in stuff like shampoos and conditioners. So be careful. Read labels. Try to eliminate that. Um, food additives such as like um, emulsifiers, um, preservatives, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, it's very easy to eat gluten-free until you go to a restaurant. Yes, and there's sugar, sugar, starches, all of those contain gluten. Then replace, the, the second R, replace. Replace with digestive enzymes. Remember we spoke about betaine. The other thing is now gluten. When you have a gluten intolerance, you can, there's an enzyme that the CPSA makes called glutarase, which specifically makes your, uh, your body resist, your glial cells resistant to gluten. So it's amazing to have it. So it's a nice trick to I, keep I, it in I, your bag. I have it. Yes. Um, Elise, I do too. It's something that we use very often in, in yeah. um, the practice, I started taking it, um, you know, before every meal and now I'm taking it every day, not before every meal. And oh my word, what a difference. What a difference mm-hmm. does that make, um, to bloating and abdominal pain? Um, if you, if you think that you can't handle gluten, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so something like glutarase. Uh, absolutely brilliant to take. So we talked about remove. We talked about replacing your digestive enzymes. And okay, just just go back to digestive enzymes mm-hmm. because I find that it's something that's difficult to find. It is. Um, there are quite a few d- digestive enzymes like pancreas that's, that breaks down sugars, amylase that breaks down your fats, mm-hmm. um, and, and carbohydrates, and then lipase. Li- lipase, sorry, for fats, amylase for carbohydrates, and then betaine for your proteins. Mm-hmm. It is difficult. Betaine is the most easy, uh, easiest, or more more accessible in mm-hmm. out there in a supplement world, but. There are there are health shops that you could get this from, and it's uh, if you find if you think this, does the compounding pharmacy have a digestive enzyme or combination of digestive enzymes? We have betaine hydrochloride, and we yeah. have something called glutarase at, okay. at this okay. stage, but okay. it's always in development. Just okay. hard to access raw materials. So the the third R is repopulate. We talked about all that bacteria. But sorry, can I go back to replace sure. the di- digestive enzymes specifically? Mm-hmm. Is that a given? You need to do that mm. if you have um, digestion. So betaine, we, we we ascertained in the case of the example we of used the acid. The acid. Okay. Yes. okay. Uh, on that question, Divya, for people like me that have reflux, and I've been taking your protein pump inhibitors, I'm an Axiom, Trustan, Lancelock, um, Pantalock, blah blah blah. Um, that decreases the amount of acid that you produce. So when we go and look at the alkaline phosphatase uh, on on a, a, a screening test, a blood test, it will be low. Mm-hmm. So you should include betaine in your supplementation. Is that going to make my reflux worse? No, it won't. Okay. So start off, like I said, right from the low dose and work your way up. Okay, so for digestion, especially if you're a carnivore like I am and like my meats, you need the acid 
to digest proteins specifically. So if you are on something like a, a protein pump inhibitor, maybe speak to your healthcare provider or, um, you know, with your health and shop. Simple things you can do at home is high fiber foods. Mm. Good oils like your omega-3 fatty acids, good fatty acids that don't contain toxins. Like you need to be careful where they are sourced, but that's a whole conversation on its own. Uh, things like uh, medicinal mushrooms like lion's mane, now very much in, in vogue, mm. but really good for digestive health and for replenishing fibers and nutrition in your body. And then things like your anti-inflammatory herbs like turmeric, very important. Coercetin? Yeah. Also, excellent. Also, anti-inflammatory for sure. Okay, so replenish. Mm -hmm. I think this can be a little bit of a. Is it replenish or repopulate? Repopulate and replenish. You're right. Okay, but that's part of the more advanced five R program. But I think we should stick to the four. Repopulate. I think we need to be a little bit careful with this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Repopulate means that, you know, we're going to take stuff that's not there or stuff that is in the wrong place and move it to where it's supposed to go. Now, you know what? We can think about what's happening um, if you go into a, um, a you know, illegal squatter camp and you start repopulating. Removing and repopulating uh, those people, it creates havoc. Um, so repopulatives, it means that we have to restock the gut, most oh. probably with things like probiotics. Am I right? Yes. So, so put back the right pop, the right balance of bacteria in that and create a good microbiome, like we're talking about. And the most obvious way is. With probiotics, that's if you want to do it commercially, but you can do it with dietary supplements like kefir. I need to be careful. Kefir, (laughs) yogurt, sour cream. But stop. Um, Sorry. Yogurt. Classify. Because it needs to be a fermented or or, or, a cultured yogurt, which means it's whole milk with a live culture, it's sorry, guys. This is not the stuff that you buy at Willie's and pick and pay. Yes, with sugar in it and a flavoring in it and chunks of fruit in it. No, but that's not a healthy yogurt. That's okay, but I need to go back to this because everything that you want to repopulate the gut with has got an acidic taste. It's not nice to have. How do you get a person like me to do that? <laughs> Very. That, I, I then actually I'll try think to take a capsule with probiotics. You can take uh, pickles, sauerkraut. Okay. The, the only problem with pickles is that mm. you know, to pickle you use a lot of sugar. Mm. Mm. So um, you know, we need to be careful about the sugar. But Elise, things like a cultured yogurt, it's beautiful. It's slightly more acidic with um, a, a slight kind of. I almost want to say slightly metal taste. But what you do with that is you make the most beautiful smoothie or ice cream or frozen yogurt by just taking healthy fruits and, you know, blending it, uh, you know, and here I'm thinking about your berries and, and stuff like that. 
which is in itself anti-inflammatory. It's good for cholesterol. It's good for fiber. So, you know what? You can make these things very pleasant. It doesn't have to be bad. Um, but I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm still slightly uneasy about just repopulating willy-nilly. And the reason I say that is if you have a dysbiosis and you don't know exactly what it is that you need to repopulate, and this is the problem, very often we don't, you can repopulate with something that's not good and it can make the problem worse. Um, for me, when I started treating my, my diverticulosis and my dysbiosis, it was a very, very rocky road initially, and it was a lot of elimination diet. Uh, you know, it going, yeah, foods. going to certain stuff and cutting out the majority of my, my fruits, the foods, the first things that we did is we cut out sugar completely and we cut out gluten completely. And then I had to play around with things like vegetables. One of the things that you cannot eat is tomato, for instance, mm-hmm. or your nightshade products. Um, and then slowly the gut starts healing, but you need to be careful. And I think, Divya, if we look at the supplements that we have available, um, there's a beautiful new one. And I don't know whether it comes with repopulate. Um, it's butyrate. Yes, it definitely fits into the repopulate category. Butyrate is what we are calling a postbiotic. It's a short-chain fatty acid. To put it very simply, it is the substance found in butter. And uh, it is now the latest thing. Not many sub- butyrate supplements are available out there, but it is a really an amazing thing to take. It um, it It basically... Modulates the, the, the balance of the bacteria. So yeah, it, puts it puts it back where it's supposed to and go. And it also and helps heal. Them in. And it also heals the gut lining. Because remember, we talked about those junctions moving apart and it, 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 it uh, compromises the integrity of your gut. Butyrate will help to repair that. Uh, also, butyrate is a, it's fascinating because it also gives energy to your gut. You know, the mitochondria mm. of your gut. It feeds the mitochondria. And remember, we need to keep our mitochondria alive to give us energy to form, to perform physiological processes. Okay. So not just energy that we see yeah. in, phys- in yeah. physical energy terms. Yeah. But one of the, oh. one of the major, um, roles that your microbiome plays is providing energy to your digestive system so that it can actually do its work. Yes. Without the microbiome or without a healthy one, the gut becomes lazy because um, it doesn't have energy or it becomes hyperactive uh, because it's got too much energy. Think of your uh, little children that you feed with sugar. They start running around like little lunatics and then suddenly they pass out. Um, your gut does exactly the same because of the bacteria there. I think when you started with butyrate, mm-hmm. um, that's where we go into the, the th- fourth R, which is the repair function. Yes. What else is important there? Um, in the, in the repair function, you must maintain the lining or the, or, or repair the lining of your gut so you don't have leaky gut like Mark described. So in order to do that, there's quite a, f- butyrate is one of them. 
The other one that is very important there is glutamine. Glutamine is actually a really, really good supplement to repair gut lining. Okay. It's an amino acid. It does a lot of it's a powerful antioxidant, so it really helps in all kinds of stuff. But also underlying to everything, <coughs> and that just doesn't only relate to your gut. It relates to your entire well-being. Don't forget the role of vitamin D3. Absolutely. Also, yes. also important in, in gut. As well as maybe zinc. Yes. And, and you know, for sure, zinc. Um, absolutely. And then things like mastic gum, in your case, for people who have been taking um, your uh, PPI, PPIs mm-hmm. and have damage from that, mastic gum is a good way to wean yourself off because it repairs the gut lining and all your intestinal damage from your PPIs. So good thing. Then we have there's a there's a good supplement that we have called GI Protect that I would recommend as well. It it contains something that will repair the lining of the gut, glutamine we spoke about, something that will will um help the inflammation because when anything is damaged there's always inflammation. That's a given. And then something that ensure ensures good digestion. So it's got three really great ingredients glutamine, aloe and licorice. Which is really, really great to align your your intestinal tract mm. and to provide good digestion. So, inflammation in the gut leads to immune activation and can often lead to autoimmune conditions, rheumatoid arthritis, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, the products we have available, um, the ones that come to my mind is curcumin, mm-hmm. turmeric. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, omega coercetin, coercetin and omega-3. Omega yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I've been given the time signal, Ryan. I can't believe that this conversation has gone so fast. <laughs> so to recap, um, gastrointestinal health is important. It plays a role in the digestion of food, the absorption of nutrients, the excretion of toxins and medications, your um, immune system, your brain health, and energy metabolism. Um, it's important for us to I, be able to identify the different types of gut conditions, whether it's functional, where we the gut is working too hard or not working, Usually diarrhea, constipation, cramps, bloating, structural, and here you can look at your diverticulosis and reflux conditions where absorption will be impacted, causing inflammation, pain, and then, you know, on the immune side where you have immune conditions of your gut and inflammatory conditions, uh, Crohn's disease, diverticulosis, um, et cetera, et cetera. If you are battling with one of these and if you want to know more or have more information, please go and read um, the Compounding Pharmacy of South Africa's newsletter on this. It's available on LinkedIn. You know, it will be available on um, the T-Clenny LinkedIn site as well. Or you could email pharmacist at compounding.co.za. Okay. Send you a copy. Thanks, Div. And um, if you want to know more about this, come and speak to us at the T Clinic. Um, you know, but 
We, this is one of the things that we deal with on a daily basis. And please remember, stress, lifestyle, and sleep is very, very much linked to gut health. And, um, you know what? If you can improve those, get a little bit of exercise, cut out the inflammatory foods like your sugars and your glutens and stuff, uh, you know what? It goes a long way to addressing this problem. Um, next week, we'll be back and Sister Elise and I are going to continue with uh, our last episode on gut and, and gut disorders. Um, and we'll be talking about what are the treatments available from prescription side. We obviously going to touch on the bespoke nutritional and supplemental side. And you know what? When you need to go and see someone to address this, either your GP or your gastroenterologist. Maybe as a parting shot for our listeners, just to, to remind them to think about the gut in, conjun- in conjunction with your brain and your immune system. So whatever you put into your mouth is going to affect your brain and your immunity. Just a parting thought to always remember that. Thank you, Div. I think it's something that we overlook. Sister Elise, any closing comments? I really enjoyed this today, and I think we had a lot of new information. Did you learn something, Ryan? I did. I learned a lot about the gut. I I learned to keep going with it. You know what I mean? It's not only about poop. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, you know what? It's you have seven seven different types of stool from unformed watery diarrhea to um, small pebble-like stones, basically. And where you want to be is somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, it's soft serve ice cream or slightly solid, um, smooth stools. Those are the healthy ones. We look at color. We look at the smell. We look at blood, etc., etc. But Sissy, Lisa, and I will touch on that next week. Until then, we wish you the very, very best in health. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.